What's your favorite scary movie? podcast where two 20-something LGBTs talk the horror movie of the week, real-life crime or events, and if it's worthy of being an honorary gay film. And yes, the titles are puns. I'm Elle. I'm Kate. Hello. Hello. So, so we're, <laughs> we're doing a good movie this week, like I promised. <laughs> yes. I realized this was bad timing. Like, I didn't know. For, for those, I hope everyone listened to my stint on the Attack of the Queer Wolf last week. Um, but I realized it was bad timing for this podcast to, like, release the episode where I'm just a huge asshole to Elle the whole time. Because <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, I wonder, just in case anyone listens to me on Queer Wolf, it's like, oh, I wonder what else this Kate person has done. And then it's just me screaming. And they're like, you know what? <laughs> Never mind. Um, so thank you all for getting getting me through that. Uh, and go, li- go listen to Attack of the Queer Wolf where I talk about ginger snaps with a bunch of lesbians. Or Ginger Snaps 2, excuse me. Yes. Anyways, so we're doing Crimson Peak. Woo! Air horns. I think I've mentioned this on here before. I think it was on my decade list, right? Um, I think so, yeah. And, like, while technically it's a gothic romance, it definitely has enough elements of horror to deem it worthy of talking about on here, I think. uh, Mm -hmm. Holy cannoli. Um, And plus, like, I, I mean, I saw this... In theaters, and all the all the girls that I was with were treating it like a horror movie. They were like hiding and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so let's just dive right into it, I guess. You know. Hell yeah. Let's shoot to a synopsis. That we never do that. Yes, she did. But, um, so Mia Wasikowska is this um, aspiring novelist in in Brooklyn in what like eight. 18, what when is this hit? It's like the eighteen, 18 like something, like the like the early like when she grows up. It's like nineteen oh one. Oh, so uh, okay, so this is like Victorian, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, <laughs> doing great so far. So she, uh, it's basically kind of like a hybrid of Jane Eyre and Rebecca and all that good shit. She meets this this, uh, bar- baronet bar. <laughs> Played by Tom Hiddleston. I'm so bad at this. Sorry, I've been up since 6 a.m. <laughs> she marries this guy, and he turns out to this, and uh, goes to isolate his isolated like manor with his creepy sister, and shit happens. We'll talk, you know. <laughs> we'll get I, into it. I was rewatching this. I'm like, I cannot believe that they let like a big like studio wide release film be this fucking weird. I mean, but then a couple years later, Shape of Water won Best Picture, so Guillermo can just literally do whatever he wants, I guess. He can. <laughs> so, uh, I know you're a, you're a big Guillermo fan, right? Like, where does this fall on your, like, ranking? Oh, gosh. Oh, that's a good question. Oh. Uh, because it's one of, it's definitely one of the, uh first ones like because it came out two years after pacific rim and i was already kind of on board with guillermo del toro so i saw this and i was like oh he's got the range (laughs) but it's it's hard to rank guillermo del toro films for me because i just i love all his films so much 
Um, and it's definitely up there. I highly encourage people who like the gothic romantic and also like horror elements like this is the perfect place for you mm-hmm. um and and also just like the, the the casting is also great because he got tom hilston he got uh uh mia wasikowska and jessica chastain in here um uh jessica chastain <laughs> can we talk about oh, her oh my god yeah well, we, oh we'll talk about her oh my god <laughs> Uh, and it's just such a beautiful movie too. Like not like, it's it's such a like visually it's so pretty. Yeah. As well, I feel like you don't get you don't get colors like this in ghost stories usually. Usually it's so like either black and white, which which can be beautiful in itself, but in a color movie it's usually like bleak and like just like beige and do you know what I mean? Like yeah, colorless. it's dulled. It's dulled exactly. Yeah, they're beautiful colors in this and all the red and the blue and i'm sure there's meaning to all of that because gilmo always loves to use color for meanings i, I should like listen to the commentary for this or something because for for pacific room he goes in depth about what each color on the screen means so i'm sure he had reasons for that too oh yeah um oh yes yeah it's gorgeous I, I, again i always love movies where the ghosts are helpful in this the ghosts like it's not the ghosts mm-hmm. that are the threat it's just the people you know yeah it's it's mad um also I, the design of the ghosts is also very yeah cool i love them uh so i i love that because since this is it's technically a gothic romance and i love how like the first 30 not 30 minutes i didn't time it but like the first portion <laughs> of this is literally just the romance part like he takes the time to do that yeah um kind of because it again kind of reminds me of the, the counterpart of rebecca with that, they just kind of rush into it. He's like, I'm Lawrence Olivier. Do you want to marry me? And she's like, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but he, they, I don't know. I just appreciate, like, there's the, the, like, dancing scene and everything with the candle. And the, it, oh yeah, I, and I like, uh, and in terms of the romance aspect, like, it, it's interesting that, like, what drew her to him wasn't his wealth or anything. Because it turned, I mean, it turned out he didn't have any anyway. He was marrying her for her money. Yeah. But she liked that that he cared about like her writing and cared about ghosts like she did and stuff. He's like, Oh, this is a spooky bitch like me, I see. I see. <laughs> oh, I see. Need me a freak like that. <laughs> Need me a freak like that. I just she's she's great. What uh, I don't know character names again. Um Oh, Edith. Edith, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I love her. I love her line at the beginning about how she wants to prefer to be like Mary Shelley and die a widow and it's like all this like very not <laughs> subtle setup like that and like the whole meta thing of like oh well no the ghosts are just metaphors in this ghost story. <laughs> like they should have just like turned to the camera <laughs> the ghosts are metaphors <laughs> yeah back to oh Charles Hunnam <laughs> Charlie I, the, yeah, and I always forget that Burn Gorman's in this too, and it's like, yeah, it's just like, all right, who from Pacific Rim wants to be in my new movie? <laughs> I yeah, I want to talk about Charlie Hunnam's character because like, <laughs> like not to like applaud men for just being decent people <laughs> to women, but I like that his character, at least. From my perspective, it's not, he doesn't really have any romantic feelings towards Edith. That's not yeah. what's driving his character to look out for her and to, to go out and save her in the end. Like, um, Yeah, they were childhood friends, so yeah. like, they 
known each other like a long time. I don't know. He's just a good beefy doctor boy. I don't know. I love goodbye. No, this is yeah. I'm like in the middle of a Charlie Hunnam Renaissance again. No, the gentleman was the worst movie I've ever seen. It wasn't his fault, and he wore really good sweaters in it. So that's why I was like, yeah, it's fine, fine. Also, God, I got like emotional almost during when um when Edith finds the tapes of the other wives. Yeah, that's just can you? That's such a vulnerable, terrifying position to be in. First of all, to find out that you that the man that you thought was in love with you isn't, and not only that, but he's ki- poisoning you, and just wants your money. Like you can you can hear just in that that like creepy audio recording, you can hear all of, like the sadness in her voice. It's like it's really upsetting. Yeah. Uh. Oh, my cat just came in. Hi, Charlie! <laughs> uh, no, yeah, because, like, the whole, uh, and just realizing that all these ghosts that are appearing to her are just the women who have been killed by, yeah. you know, Lucille. Because she's, I, I, she was the one that had the hand in her father's death in order for Edith to be able to marry Thomas in the first place. Yeah. So I feel like she would have probably been the one to do, like, the poisoning and the killing. Um, oh, yeah. she She's the brains behind the operation. She's so wild. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> my, my true aesthetic is Jessica Chastain in a, in a blood-soaked nightgown running around a house with a knife. God, she <laughs> runs down the stairs and she it's just, like, down- one of my favorite shots ever. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. <laughs> I guess we should talk about how there's incest in this. Yeah, there is. <laughs> that was such a a bomb drop in the theater. You're not his sister. Oh, silly. I am. Yeah. Push. <laughs> oh my god. Like, what the? This was like a wide release Universal picture. Was the okay? Wait, okay. I don't. I don't. I haven't actually read Flowers in the Attic, but was that like a nod to Flowers in the Attic? The fact that they are in, incest kids and spent all their time in the attic as kids is is that what Flowers in the it Attic? It could have been. I I don't know if it is for sure, but like it wouldn't surprise me if he had a bit of a. He was like, eh, eh. Oh, I wanted to talk about speaking of references. Uh, yeah. I just, so I love Jane Eyre. I was the only person in my class reading it that like loved Jane Eyre reading it in high school. But there's like a line in this that's like a direct reference to it. So there's this is not coincidental, obviously, because I mean Jane Eyre is one of the most famous Gothic romances of all time. But there was a nod to it where he's talking about where Tom Hiddleston's talking. He has some line about feeling like drawn to her, mm-hmm. and I have the 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 Jane Eyre quote is like talking about like a string attached to his heart. And it's even more oh. gnarly. I have his. I have a strange feeling with regard to you, as if I had a string somewhere under my left ribs, tightly knotted to a similar string in you. Yeah. If you were to leave, I'm afraid the cord of communion would snap, and I'd have the notion that I'd take to bleeding inwardly. As for you, you'd forget me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, so extra. That's <laughs> why we love gothic romance. It's they're extra as hell. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, it does say that 
uh, Del Toro wanted to honor the grand names of the haunted house genre, namely uh, mm. Robert Weiss's The Haunting and yes. uh, Jack Clayton's The Innocence. Oh, hell uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, see, those, um, those are both in black and white. So. Ooh. So I need to watch. I, color. I, yeah, I, I need to watch The Innocence. Like, I think my library has oh, it. Oh, it's, it's weird. It's good. I'm ready. <laughs> Whatever I was talking about, the how weird or like how bad and weird the ending of the turning was i was like is it just the ending to the innocence or we just no it's not they just forgot to end the movie but the innocence is great they're based on the same novella also like with this like also i think the i don't know how he was able to get away with that whole incest plot but i think it's also because (laughs) we're still just wrapping our minds around that because it was never framed as something that was good. Like, it was very obviously oh, no, yeah. power imbalance, uh, fucked up situation going on there. Uh, which, as it should be, um, framed as. It just, like, 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 I was, when I saw this movie, I watched it at midnight because my friend still worked at the movie theater I used to work at. Mm. And she was like, hey, do you want to watch Crimson Peak at midnight? We'll have the entire theater to ourselves when it's released on the projector. And I was like, yes. Yes. So we got to watch it, and we were sitting in, like, the very back just watching the whole thing. And when that happened, uh, I remember she just, like, was staring at the screen like, holy shit. (laughs) Holy shit. No! I think the one time, like, we both actually kind of screamed was when uh, Edith is in the hallway, and she has, like, that candelabra. And she, like, goes up next to, like, that closet linen door that's in the hallway, and it's, like, cracked open, and then it cuts to that wide shot where you see the face kind of against mm. the door, and it was so sudden that we both kind of just screamed in the theater, because um, I was not expecting that to happen, because I didn't see that the door was open, so it was creepy as hell, and I loved it. <laughs> uh, I wish I could have seen it with a bunch of people in the theater, because uh, I don't think I saw it after that, but it was it was great. I loved it. Yeah, like back on all the, the atmosphere that he creates that is it's spoopy. Like this, this would be a good like thing to watch on Halloween or something. Yeah, just the, the all the design elements of it are fucking gorgeous. I know I just keep saying that, but I just it is, it's I, so it's appreciated. Beautiful. You know, yes. It's uh, so pretty. I just, I love it so much. And it's a good story, too. Yeah. Okay, do you want to get into the true crime? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Unless you have anything else to say about Crimson Peak. I feel like we're just riffing at this point. We are riffing. Um, no, I'm totally down to... Uh, alright. So, uh, my true crime of the week is Celeste Beard Johnson. Uh, she was born in 1963, and she's right now a convicted American murderer serving a life sentence in Gatesville, Texas. So, uh, she was, uh, she killed her husband for his money, and we'll get into the details of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when, backstory of Celeste, uh, she claimed that she was abused as a child and that she attempted uh, suicide during puberty, uh, at 17, she got pregnant and then went on to have two ki- uh, twins, uh, Jennifer and Christina. Celeste was married five times. Her fourth husband uh, was Stephen Beard, whom she met while working as a waitress at the Austin Country Club. 
Uh, Stephen Beard had made his mark as the co-owner of a local television station. He was rich, powerful, and an important member of the community. He had a long marriage to his first wife, who had passed away from cancer, and he soon began dating Celeste when they were married uh, in 1995, three days after I was born. (laughs) (laughs) He was 68 and she was 30. So... Oof. Yeah. Um, So... What ended up happening was uh, Stephen Beard was shot in the stomach and died as the result of an infection that was caused by the open wound four months later. Uh, police tied the incident to Celeste's friend Tracy Tarleton. Celeste had met Tracy when she was in a mental health facility, St. David's Pavilion, after threatening to commit suicide. Sorry, I'm oh, Goodness. Um, Celeste's marriage to Stephen had hit a rocky point and she had been spending a lot of his money. Uh, He threatened to cut her off her credit cards and started talking about divorce. So then Tracy was arrested and charged with assault, but police thought that there might be more to the story when people who were interviewed said that Celeste had spoken negatively about Stephen. Uh, Tracy didn't say anything. She wasn't a snitch. Uh, And it wasn't until Tracy discovered that Celeste had remarried after Stephen's death that she told police that Celeste had persuaded her to shoot Stephen. And it was rumored that Tracy and Celeste had had a lesbian relationship and that getting rid of Steven was the only way they could be together. (laughs) Oh! Okay. Okay. So, Celeste was eventually arrested and she was convicted after a very lengthy trial, uh, received a mandatory life sentence, and she will not be eligible for parole until 2043, so about 23 years from now. Got some time. She's got time. Uh, So the latest of that is uh, Tracy was recently released on parole after serving 10 years of her sentence, and she currently resides in San Antonio. uh, And she's uh, currently, like, trying to establish her life back, um, but Celeste is still in prison. There have been several books written on the case, including The Fortune Hunter by Susie Spencer and She Wanted It All, A True Story of Sex, Murder, and a Texas Millionaire by Katherine Casey. (laughs) Uh, Celeste's mother has created a website declaring her daughter's innocence and is publishing a book of Celeste's prison letters to her, and you can even uh, become pen pals with her if you like. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) So, uh, in the original 911 call... Uh, was actually done by Stephen. He said that he needed an ambulance. He said, my my guts just jumped out of my stomach. They blew out. They blew out of my stomach. They're lying on my stomach. He says, I'm in bed. I'm in awful pain. Um, And the 911 operator's like, I am having a hard time figuring out what happened. He's like, I don't know what happened. I've never had this happen before. It's like, I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, as being done and in the crimson pink movie uh the sharp kids were the sharp siblings were uh marrying two wealthy heiresses in order to get their money to fund thomas's clay mining uh inventions uh and then killing them off his big dumb machine his big dumb machine oh cat sorry (laughs) my cat just jumped on my lap hi charlie uh, so, uh, when people asked Tracy Tarleton, uh, Tarleton why she did the act, uh, she said she did it for Celeste and that she 
and her were the best of friends. Uh, she's like, I genuinely liked her. She was a nice person. Um, Celeste said of Tracy, and she had a lot of good qualities. I cared for her very much. Um, but uh, nowadays, she's got a whole different tune. Uh, <laughs> so no more the, the horror was for love. Yeah. Uh, when asked if Celeste loved her husband, Tracy said no. She often called him disgusting. She thought he was a ridiculous old fat man. Um, Tracy also says Celeste told her it wasn't just Steven's physical appearance that she hated. It was the way he treated her. He just emotionally crushed her all the time, ran her down, and belittled her and berated her. Taunted, tortured her emotionally until it left her in these really depressed suicidal states. Um, she said that she would never be able to get out from underneath him, which is why she didn't consider divorce. Hmm. And it's like, are you sure about that? Because uh, it sounds like you just wanted his money, though. <laughs> she did. Um, and then Tracy had gone on to say that she and Celeste were more than friends, that they were lovers, and that even after Tracy was arrested and released on bond for wounding Stephen Beard, uh, she says that she and Celeste continued their affair. Uh, she provided pictures of them dancing at a party, attending a wedding to prove they were a couple. Uh, so, the months after Stephen did die, though, that the relationship between the two was over. Uh, Tracy said that Celeste started going bananas, hysterical a lot of the time. Uh, we both said, we're not going to do this anymore, you won't see me again. Uh, and then three weeks after they had split up, Tracy said she read an article in the newspaper, uh, and then in that article there were a lot of things said, including the, uh, news that Celeste had gotten remarried, um, and everything just started unraveling very quickly. So, no more best friends. Bye, Charlie. <laughs> ah! Sorry. It's a She yanked today. out my earphones. Uh, so that's... <laughs> The people. <laughs> Sorry, I just are, got found not this thing today. Doing well. <laughs> I just found this case today, and I haven't prepared mm. myself as much as I should have <laughs> because I'm very bad at this. Um, that's fine. This actually okay. So this case, but also like Crimson Peak, reminded me. Were Were there any cases of a, a guy doing this that you could find? I couldn't find it. Because this is, well, this isn't real life, but there's a Tales from the Crypt episode where a guy keeps doing this. He keeps, like, marrying rich old ladies and killing them. But he gets his comeuppance because it's Tales from the Crypt. (laughs) So that is my contribution to this. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, uh, yeah, sorry, my true crime is just kind of a little all over the place this week. That's fine. Uh, You got got killer lesbians, you got... Well, we, we're going to have to do some movie where we can do, um, Alice and Frida, the Alice and Frida story. Maybe yes. we'll wait for Jennifer Kent to make the movie and then we can talk about it. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, is this a gay film? Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, a few things. So, like... Uh, uh, going back to, like, specifically Re- Rebecca, if you're familiar- Have you seen Rebecca? I have not, actually. Okay, well, you should. It's great. I know, I need but to. But there's- there's this character called Miss Danvers that's, like, the keeper of the house, of the manor in Rebecca, that, mm-hmm. um, it's alluded that she was, like- that she has this obsession with 
with the previous Mrs. De Winter, Rebecca, that's who Rebecca is. And, mm-hmm. like, it's it's hinted that this was, like, a lesbian relationship and everything. Um, gotcha. And I just got, like, vibes. Even though there's the whole incest thing, too. I also got, like, vibes of la- that, that character in, in Jessica Chastain. In, what, what's oh, her name? Yeah. Um, what's her name in this? It's Lucille. Lucille, yeah. I feel like yes. that was at least some kind of character inspiration. And then there's li- Because, like... At first, you can tell that she doesn't want Edith to to be chosen because she knows what they're gonna have to do to her, and she yeah. has that whole line about like delicate things or whatever, and like she rubs a butterfly on her cheek, and they're like, "What is happening?" <laughs> um, hello, I know, right? So I feel like there's that aspect to it, and then of course the there's the homoerotic stabbing scene. I have no other way of describing it. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the sh- show me where. <laughs> I don't know, just like, I mean, but in general, no. But there's little little fun treats. <laughs> As a treat. As a treat. So I do. Ha- I do have to be. I gotta be out here. The this okay. the sex scene in with uh, Lucille. Uh, not Lucille. Sorry, Edith and Thomas was kind of oh! hot. <laughs> not gay, but hot. Huh? It was hot. I was like, I'm down. <laughs> I, when I saw it in theaters, like, girls in the audience, like, audibly gasped at, oh. when Mr. Hiddleston flashed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, we, we haven't really talked about the performances in this, but, like, aside from, he's, like, Tom Hiddleston's a great actor. He <laughs> is. We, I know he's just low-key to most people, but I've seen, like, a lot of his other work, and this, the reason this works, this movie, is because everyone is so dedicated to their performances in this absurd-ass circumstance. Like, they are treating- like, that scene at the end with the two siblings, like, the, all that drama, like, they are treating it like like Shakespeare. They are treating this situation yeah. with, with such reality that it works. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I'd- I would just love to see more period pieces in general of Tom Hiddleston and, and Jessica Chastain and and Mia Foschikowska. They all they, they all wear those costumes well. Yes, 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 yes. Or if you want a more modern Mia performance, you could watch this with Stoker. That, mm. That'd be a fun double feature. Have you seen that? I have not. Okay, we'll have to do that. We'll do that for the podcast. We'll do Rebecca. Whatever. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah. Well, unless you have anything else to say, we, we can wind down. Yeah. Uh, bless Tom Hiddleston. He's kind of like, I don't think he's disappeared or anything, but he's definitely gotten uh, a little more out of the spotlight, and I think he wanted yeah. that because, like, his fans are insane. Yeah. <laughs> Not no, I don't lie. blame him. Oh, my God. Yeah. So. But I, I, I really enjoyed him being in you know, a different movie, uh, from outside of, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. and him in, in Kong Skull Island, which is a very fun movie, I, I love that, <laughs> so I highly encourage to watch that as well, he get, puts, like, a gas mask on, he's, like, swinging swords at, like, these old dinosaurs, it's great. Should I watch that movie? Everyone talks he, about how it's actually good. 
It's actually, yeah. I really enjoyed it, and it's very colorful, and, it, like, the, the colors are just so bright, and it's wonderful. It's like this apocalyptic-ass island, but <laughs> it's not, like, bleak and dull, and everything blends together. It's just very in-your-face right. bright colors and pretty. I loved it. So, uh, it's a good time. Right. I highly recommend it. I would love to see him go the route. Like, obviously, he's not going to because he, he has not escaped Marvel yet. Like, Loki's getting his own show. But if he ever yeah. does escape... I'd love to see him go the Robert Pattinson route of like, okay, I'm successful, I have all this money now, I'm just gonna go do weird shit now. Yes! I would love to see Tom Hiddleston do that. I mean, he's already yes. kind of done that, he's done Lovers Left Alive and all that, like, high rise was weird, but like, just more, just keep going. <laughs> Give me more, I want more! Let's go, yeah, yeah, Daniel Radcliffe and uh, Robert Pattinson, it. just gonna yeah. do some weird ass films. Y'all mind <laughs> Y'all, you minds. I love it. Um, yeah, let's go. Let, we can go ahead and begin to wind down if you would like uh, to start, or I can okay, go whichever. Well, okay. Well, well. I won't get, <laughs> I won't get too much into it because this uh, this is gonna be our next episode. But I saw the Invisible Man, and you all should. Yeah. Everyone should see the Invisible Man. Run, yes. don't walk. Um, it's it's literally um, Academy Award. It's like. <laughs> Lee's made another masterpiece. I don't know what to say. That's all I got to say on that right now. Um, what else did I... Oh, so this, this time I saw Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, my God. It was it was as dark-sided as you said. I told you. I was like, pin yourself against the wall. I'm like, hello? <laughs> hello? But other than that, it was a good time. <laughs> I had fun. <laughs> I have I've been watching a lot of stuff. I don't know. I I watched um I watched Polyester, um, the John Waters movie because I realized I need to watch more John Waters movies. I watched Woman on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Just gay gay stuff, you know. Oh Oswald has opened my door. <laughs> well, okay. One second. Okay. okay. Oswald! This episode is a train wreck. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're allowed it. It's fine. Crimson Peak doesn't deserve this. What have you been watching, Elle? (laughs) I have been watching a lot. Okay. Um, So I watched, just because it was on Amazon and I was bored one day, um, I watched the Poughkeepsie tapes. Oh, okay. Which, uh... It's fun. It's it's fun. Um, I at first I thought it was like a true thing, and I was like, why have I never heard of this? And then I was like, oh no, it's fake. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> they tricked um, you. They tricked me, and it's one of the better found like because it's not entirely found footage. It's like documentary, some found footage, and like most of the time the found footage is pretty still, um, because of the, how the guy steps up the camera, or it's just like pointed down because he's walking with it. Uh, and there's nothing to see. Like, there's a there's a reason why it's moving the way it is. Uh, so there's purpose and intent behind it, which is nice for once, instead of just having it waving all around, uh, like most B uh, found footage films do. Um, and then I watched, I rewatched The Hurt Locker, because I remember watching it a long time ago, but I don't know if I ever completely made it through, so I just kind of, I rewatched it, because for Miss Catherine Bigelow. Mm-hmm. Um, which... Uh, it was so good. It did. It won Best Picture, which I completely forgot about. And Best uh, Director. 
Yeah, I was like, yeah. We get one woman. We get <laughs> you get one. Uh, and then the day after that, I watched the Miseducation of Cameron Post. Oh, yes. I was gonna go feral <laughs> watching that film. It's uh, so beautiful, though. It's such a beautiful. I know. Oh it's my so god. Good. It's so so good, and like it, it's a little. It's hard. It is hard to watch, uh, because it, mm-hmm. it is based around conversion therapy, um, and like in the nineteen nineties with this girl being forced to go to, it and uh, just this the ending so good. I love the ending so much. It made me so happy. It's a really interesting companion piece with um, with Boy Erased. I know people were like hitting the two against each other because they came out the same year. Um, But I kind of have, like, a whole, like, just my own personal, like, theory on all of that. Have you seen Boy Erased or read it? I need to. Uh, It's on my list to watch. You you should read it, too, but, um, and and watch it. But I, so the thing, like, Cameron Post is, like, made for queer people by by a queer person, by Desiree Akhavan. And Boy Erased is made by a straight person for straight people, but to, like, educate them. Like, Mm -hmm. I know that Joel Edgerton did it with, 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 like, the best intentions, and he involved the man that it happened to through every step of the process. Yeah. Um, It wasn't like he was just like, I'm gonna take your life story and profit off it, thanks. Like, it wasn't like that at all. It's, uh, yeah. I, I think they're good, like, companion pieces is what I would say. But Camera Post is incredible. Uh, you, you're making me want to rewatch it again too, because even though it's it's kind of like 1985, or like even though it's really intense, Camera Post has a much more uplifting ending though. It like does. Said, and I, my boss read the book, and she was like frustrated by the ending, and she was like, "I need, I just need to know what happens to these kids. I need to know they're gonna be okay." I mean, and I'm just like, I don't think that's the point, you know? Like the point is yeah. that they're at least out, and that. They're out of that place in that situation, and then they have each other now. Like, that that scene on the truck is so euphoric. I know. Oh, my God. And they're just, like, they're just being, like, friends, like, with each other, and just, like, being, you know, young adults. Mm Mm-hmm. And just, like, our friend thinks you're hot, yelling at the (laughs) motorcycle guy. I was like, yeah, there it is. Yes. Oh, Um, good for them. And then I watched Candyman the other day, the OG, since the trailer dropped for the new one, and I am (laughs) so excited. Like, this is the year. This is the year for horror. Let's go. We we are already off to a great start. (laughs) We are. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Everyone should watch Little Woods uh, on Hulu. It's Nia DaCosta's previous film. And it's not horror but the tension that she creates in that movie is I'm like yeah okay I, I can't wait to see what you do with this yes. just one to watch yeah that's it well okay yeah I can't talk about Invisible Man anymore because we're gonna go in depth <laughs> we're gonna we're go gonna shit next week I cannot wait I've already seen it twice <laughs> probably so see it ready. again this weekend um it's not coming out this year, but next year on Netflix, Guillermo del Toro's new movie is supposed to be, it's a stop motion animated musical film of Pinocchio, but it's going to be like a darker retelling of the famous fairy tale. That's still happening? 
Yeah, it's okay. it's happening right now. It's going. Okay, um, I just know about Nightmare Alley, which <laughs> or Carol two point <laughs> So, yeah, the early states for next year. I'm very excited because I always love looking forward to Guillermo del Toro's yeah. new stuff. And he, he always delivers. does quite well with, you know, uh, fairy tale kind of like monster and monster uh, involved filming. Right. And when will the Academy let him adapt at the Mountains of Madness? Because he would kill doing that, but... That's, they're just, they, there's a whole slew of reasons why they don't want to do it, because they're cowards, but what else is new? Is he directing that stop motion thing, or just producing it? He's directing. Okay, well, he's busy. He's busy, he's got work! We're so happy. Wait, I don't understand, who's not letting him adapt in the mouth of madness? Is this, like, Lovecraft's, like, estate or something? Like, no, it's, um, like, Hollywood in general, like... Because they think it's not a very, it's not a happy story. Um, there's no romance, and the ending's not exactly optimistic. But uh, I think that if it's executed well, it could be a satisfying story for people to watch and maybe, appreciate. Maybe so. there will be like a renaissance with Color Out of Space, and like, because that that came out. I don't know how that's doing, hmm. but. The other question is, do we want to give H.P. Lovecraft attention when he was a piece of shit? <laughs> oh, God, that reminds me. When I was watching, uh, there was a short a short documentary about H.P. Lovecraft where they had a whole bunch of people, uh, including Guillermo del Toro, uh, talking about him. And, like, at least half the time, they were just dragging his ass through the mud, being like, you racist yes! piece of shit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, yeah, they definitely, like, were like, this guy sucks, so Dunk we should take away him. his stories. Dunk his ass into the trash can. Like, when people back in your time are saying you're racist, you're pretty racist. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Oh, my God. Well, we will see you all next week. We'll, oh, yeah, we'll have a, a guest for Invisible Man. Xander's coming back. Xan the man. Yes. <laughs> so you can Looking find... forward to it. Yeah, man. You can find me at Dyke Madden on Twitter. And I'm at LM Designs on Twitter, and you can find the podcast at Horror Time Pod on Twitter and Stop Horror Time Pod on Facebook. Uh, and if you like what we do, you can definitely give us any kind of reviews and ratings on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your faves. Uh, and just spread the word about us if you'd like. If you know people that are into horror and want to see it from a queer perspective, as well as from Attack of the Queer Wolf, kind of our sister podcast. <laughs> Uh, so we will see you guys next week, and thanks for listening to this episode. Thanks, even for, if it thanks for getting wrecked. through this with us. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gilmo. I'm sorry, Gilmo. Oh, we'll see you guys later. Bye.